Philippians 4.22 says, All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Today, Paul has one last humble brag. And it's a weird flex, but this is day 19. Welcome to the Journey Through Philippians podcast, where every day we set aside space in our lives to experience God's Word. Together, we'll discuss the context and meaning of each passage and how the book of Philippians can help us understand more about who God is and the story He's writing for each of us every day. Well, we're on day 19. It's the last day with the commentary reading. We've got one more day tomorrow. I'm here with Brendan Lang and Melissa Payne. Hi. The rhyming duo. That's right. I'm actually getting really sad that I this know. is coming I know. to a close. But we won't think about it. We won't. And we'll just do another one. We got one more day. Things. Yeah. I'm sure that there's other books in the Bible, there right? There are 66 books. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we've got a long way to go. <laughs> Don't be sad. We've got a lot to read. But where am I going to get my friendly banter in That's true. In you just day. come find me in the office. <laughs> I'll have a question for you every day. Well, for today, here's my question. Have you ever found yourself like, out of place in a situation. Another way to say it, like, have you ever found yourself way over your head? Like you're in the moment, you're like, oh, how did I get here? I don't belong here. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I can go first on this. Why don't you go first? I've got one that I still am confused by. So I was working at a church in Florida for a while. And I also just worked for this agency on the side. They handled a bunch of marketing and media stuff for all kinds of people. I got a call one afternoon at like three in the afternoon. They're like, hey, are you free tonight? And I was like, yes, actually. Like, just moved there. Don't have a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So they're like, cool. Can you get to Miami in like three hours? I was like, yeah, sure. And they're like, we'll call you on the way with details. I'm like, great. I don't know what's happening. They're like, you're good to like shoot and take video and photos. I'm like, great. So halfway there, they're like, hey, yeah, so we're doing this like private A-lister party at a restaurant and the restaurant's our client and they just want to make it look and seem like amazing. And I was like, oh, okay, A-lister party, easy. (laughs) And so I go there and I'm like, yeah, who can it be? Like, it's Miami, so people hang out there. Could be a lot of people. It could be. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I've never heard of this restaurant. I thought it was like a rinky-dink, like Italian restaurant. No, apparently it's a big deal. (laughs) So we get there. I'm not kidding. There's a red carpet and paparazzi outside. 40 paparazzi really? outside. I'm not kidding. And they're all mad at me because I get to go wherever I want. They have to stay in this <laughs> little the- like paparazzi box. And I'm just this kid with a camera. Yeah. And like, they've got all these big They've got rigs better stuff. And like, right. And I'm just like, I can go wherever I want. And they're like, get out of the way. I'm like, nobody's even here. What do you want me to do? Like, and it comes to find out it's like Mary J. Blige and Usher was there. What? And the really? birthday party, it was a birthday party for one of Usher's producers. And I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> and like, so these like just black escalades just kept rolling up and people coming in. The entire Miami Heat team was there. Yeah. I was like LeBron. Whole, I guess that was before LeBron. Pre-LeBron, yeah. Pre-LeBron. So like the whole team was there. Mary J. Blige, oh Usher, all of their entourages. And I got done at like 4 a.m. I did not sign up for that. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. And about halfway through, I'm like, what's happening? Oh, Usher's giving his producer his best male vocal of the year Grammy that he won. <laughs> oh my God. That was his birthday <laughs> present. And I'm like, okay. Do you still have those photos? Somewhere, probably. Mm-hmm. You want me to post one just to prove it? N- no, I mean, I guess you got paid to do this. I was thinking like salt to people magazine. Or, oh, like, right. It's too late now, care. obviously. It's I like 10 years later. They it. don't care anymore. Like, let's be real. It's just like, they just wanted to hang out. Like, yeah. That's the thing I realized during that. I was like, these are just normal people. They're just normal but they're people. people. Yeah. yeah. If you act chill about them, they're fine. So. Well, I'm glad you went first because... I don't there <laughs> think is no I have anything I to top that. <laughs> We're not looking to top it. I'm just curious. Like, have you found yourself in your like way mm-hmm. over your head? Mm-hmm. Brendan, I was thinking like 
you come face to face with NT Wright or something. <laughs> I well, so I actually am going to be meeting NT Wright in a couple of weeks, and that's your. I get his Wait, autograph. What? Yeah, he's coming to town. He's got this new book. He's, he's got a book like tour. a book signing, and they say if, if you pre-order his book, he'll sign it for you. So yeah. I'm going to get a selfie, take a with, selfie him too. with you. I'm going to do my best. So. Oh wow! So I went okay. with A-lister celebrity party with photos, <laughs> and you went with theologian, who some people have heard Tom of. Tom Wright. Yeah, Tom. No, yeah, he's not as well known as Usher. That's true. <laughs> Okay, I think I have a story. I'm okay. from Nashville, so I could pull Oh really? I could pull out some wow. stories. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of country stars in Nashville. Yeah. So I had a friend that was a nanny for Sarah Evans, who was a singer. Mm-hmm. I mean, she still is yep. country singer or whatever. But she was really big back in like the nineties or two thousands. And she needed someone to keep her nieces and nephews. And so then I actually started nannying on the side for her sister, who is also like a backup singer or whatever. And so I was watching her kids and something happened. And my friend that was nannying for Sarah Evans had to go and do something. And so she needed me to come over and watch like both of their kids. So when I walk in, there are cars everywhere in the driveway. I walk in and there are like hair and makeup and there are dresses hanging up and there are, you know, like all these people that are like, I guess, getting her ready. And I guess there was some kind of country music. I don't know. CMT something. Yes, some kind of award show that was going on. And so I kind of got to like be in the background of watching them get her ready and all of that while the kids were like running crazy and around. (laughs) And I was just like, oh gosh, that's my job. Like, (laughs) calm down. Mommy's getting makeup. I know. Exactly. Like, nope, don't touch her hair. Like she's doing that. And so it was just kind of one of those moments where you do, you're like, how did I end up here? And what is happening? Because I've never been in anything like that before. Yeah. Well, today, Paul finds himself in a similar situation, I think, but he probably doesn't really think too much about it. Hmm. He has a pretty good humble brag, but we'll go through that later. Let's start out with our commentary to get some context. Day 19, anyone might accept the gospel. Paul ends his letter to the Philippians with closing greetings and a blessing. He begins by sending his own personal greetings. Then he passes along the greetings of those who are with him. Finally, he prays for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to be with the Philippians, mirroring the blessing he bestowed upon these Christians at the opening of this letter. Although this closing is customary and brief, it should not be read as a mere formality. Even in these few short verses, Paul had something surprising he wanted to reveal to the Philippian readers and to us today. While passing along the greetings of those who are with him, Paul specifically identifies one group of people who wanted to greet the Philippians. He writes in Philippians 4.22, All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. There is some debate about what Paul meant by Caesar's household. This debate is related to the question of where Paul was imprisoned when he wrote this letter. What is clear to most modern scholars is that the individuals Paul is alluding to worked in some capacity for the Roman emperor, most likely as slaves, freedmen, or freedwomen. This is clear from hundreds of inscriptions archaeologists have found throughout the Roman Empire that refer to Caesar's household. The significance of this greeting would not have been lost on the original Philippian readers. People who had answered to Caesar, a self-proclaimed savior and lord of the universe, had come to pledge their allegiance to Jesus, the world's true savior and lord. This was another reminder that nothing, not even Caesar himself, could stop the advance of the gospel. This also would have been a source of encouragement for the Philippians who were suffering at the hands of those loyal to Caesar. If anyone had reason to be frightened that they might suffer for their faith, it was those who worked directly for the Roman emperor. This special greeting let the Philippian Christians know that they were not alone. The significance of this greeting should not be lost on us either. 
If any of us have fear or concerns about how others will respond to our faith, we can find encouragement from these Christians who belong to Caesar's household. Others have faced this struggle before us, and they found the strength to press on. Also, if we ever doubt whether a certain person or group of people could become followers of Jesus, this greeting should give us hope. Any person, no matter how unlikely, can be moved by the gospel and may come to see Jesus as Lord. For day 19, we're reading our final passage of Philippians in chapter 4, verses 21 through 23. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Melissa, do you want to take us through our discussion questions for day 19? Question 1. Notice the repetition of the phrase, all God's people, in this passage. How does this relate to Paul's appeal for unity throughout this letter? Are there people in your community of faith that you view as different or you exclude? Do you ever try to avoid someone when you go to church? How could you be more inclusive in the way you interact with others? Second question. Who in your life is like those who belong to Caesar's household? People you thought might never come to believe or people you doubt will ever believe? What would help you to have courage like Paul's to make the most of every interaction? Well, first off, what's a freedman and a freedwoman? A freedman and a freedwoman? Yeah, those you just breeze past those words in your commentary. And I'm like, <laughs> wait, 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 what now? So basically, freedmen and freedwomen are freedmen and freedwomen. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, I don't know how to say it simpler than that. So they're people who had formerly been slaves, but had lost that status. They've been freed. But they still work in Caesar's house. Household. Household is an ambiguous term. Sure. So it can refer specifically to his palace, but it could also refer to people who are under his service. So attendants, people who are taking care of things in the house, but also things really almost throughout the empire, like people who are taking care of his business. And so mm-hmm. one reason why we think this may have been written in Rome is because of this reference to Caesar's household, because this is actually a title. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like doctor or, lawyer, you know, sure. like the letters you have huh. after a name. I work for Caesar's household. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, MD. it's a, there's a little bit of pride, even if you're a slave or like we're a freed slave, you still have some sort of dignity and special status as someone who belongs to Caesar's household. We know a great number of people who had this title in Rome, but we also see it throughout the empire. So it doesn't mean it was necessarily in Rome, but Hmm. that's a good chance. I love the like, it's almost like a parenthetical. He just little humble brag. Here. Yeah, little, he just little flex. drops it in there. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. <laughs> like he's, he's so like right casual. Yeah. yeah. But this would have been a big deal. We don't know for yeah. sure what this is, but the implication here. Yeah. And in hindsight, we can almost put this into context that it is a pretty significant. Yeah. There's a reason why he slips it in. I always think with anything in scripture, there's mm-hmm. a reason why it's written. And so if it's confusing, if it sticks out, it's worth asking questions. Why is it here? Mm-hmm. And 
And Paul doesn't ever say this in any other letter. And so he's trying to make a point to the Philippians who, again, are living in a Roman colony. Many of them might have been Roman citizens struggling with this dilemma. You know, how do I live as a Christian in a Roman colony that's asking me to call the emperor my Lord, Savior, and God? Mm -hmm. And here he's almost like giving them a little reminder, hey, there are actually people here who are part of God's people who belong to Caesar's house. When even closer to Caesar, you know, he reports himself as a god. They're closer to that than even yeah. you are. You're up in mm-hmm. Philippi. I mean, so. you're worried about job loss. You're worried about persecution, all the things that might happen to you if you're a follower of God. Well, there are people right there with him who reported directly to the Roman emperor who made the decision to be Jesus followers. And like the oh, ramifications wow. of this too are like, in hindsight, we know that this was the beginning of something dramatic in world history. Like yeah. this is a big deal. And what happened after this, and not necessarily because of this, but yeah. this general movement really took off. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy for us to look at world history in, in light of church history and how, I mean, Christianity, if we think about it on a global scale and Christianity really broadly, everybody who might identify as a Christ follower in some way, well, it's the biggest religion in the world and it has been for a long time. And so we sometimes view world history, view the world through that lens, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's so different. At this time, there are hundreds, maybe thousands of Christ followers, mm-hmm. right? And Not all this, millions. Not, definitely right. not millions. Right. Yeah. Like I just read an estimate. It was like maybe 7,500 around this time. And you think about the estimate was there are 65 million people in the world and 7,500 Christians. And you just think about like wow. how intimidating that is to mm-hmm. know I've got this life-changing, world-changing news that's so important to hang on to and pass along, but still I seem so small. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The group of people I'm among seem so small. And the commission that Jesus Jesus gave his disciples was to spread it to the whole world, make disciples of all nations, not just people living right there in the Jewish homeland, but throughout the whole world. And that's what Paul kind of did. And if you read the book of Acts, it sort of plays this out. In Acts 1.6, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, Mm -hmm. and to the ends of the earth. And you Mm -hmm. see this sort of track. You see how the gospel spreads to all these places. And it ends up finally in Rome, which in some ways is the end of the world Mm -hmm. for someone from the Jewish land. the center of the world, too. But in some ways, it's the center of the world because all roads lead to Rome and therefore all roads lead from Rome and it becomes sort of the gateway to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And that's what we actually see unfold then in church and world history. You know, it's interesting to talk about roads. I was in Rome and I have this problem where I'll say stuff and sometimes you don't know if it's true. It sounds like it could be accurate, but like really I'm just like, is Tyler just messing with us again? (laughs) (laughs) But this was an actual fact I learned that the way that Romans spread news the quickest mm-hmm. is with trivia, which if you break it down is trivia in Latin, which is three roads. That's where they connect. Any point that three roads connect, that's where people would go to find out the information of the day. Are you serious? Yeah. Huh. That's where that comes from. Where, so if we're playing like a, a trivia game. guide, drop that nugget together. Yeah. And they were like, you are making that up. Because it sounds like made up a little bit, right? <laughs> it does. But it is true. Like, you know, no, it makes sense. information came from Rome mm-hmm. yeah. and everything that was happening in the world would go back to Rome. And that was the center and hub of everything. Yeah. And that's really how something dramatic happened for mm. Christianity later on. You know, we're talking way later than Paul even. Yeah. Right. So the gospel makes its way to Rome. I mean, we know it eventually did at least. Let's sure. put it that way. Yeah. And not only that, but eventually it makes its way into the empire. I mean, here you have people who are responding to Caesar. I mean, for a while, Caesars declare themselves gods. They, they become much more self-centered and, mm-hmm. and have much higher elevated sense of self. But then we learn of an emperor, Constantine, who comes to hear the gospel and makes a decision to actually make it one, legal to worship Jesus in the Roman empire, but two, eventually the official religion. And that kind of kicks mm. off 
honestly what we know of Rome, which yeah. is, you know, the Vatican, the mm-hmm. whole Catholic faith and everything that comes with that. But that just goes to show how a single message that is profound enough can be carried through the ages and have yeah. a dramatic impact on all of society, mm-hmm. right? But really it starts with one person. Yeah. You know, like you look at Philippi, we go back to where we started. It started with one relationship with Lydia. Mm -hmm. So the question is, and this is kind of in our discussion questions, who in our lives, and like, I'm not even talking about specifically your life. I'm not thinking of individuals, but who in our lives are people like those in Caesar's household that you think are so bought into something else or something of this world that they would never hear or embrace a message like this? I think that's actually a really hard question to ask because that means that we're you know, having to look out there and see who's not following Christ and why they're not. Yeah. I don't know. Like, how do I even say this? Yeah. Because I am, I am the worst of the sinners. Like, how can I say that they are the ones who are like those in Caesar's household when I look at myself and I'm that person, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's a good way to think about it. It's helpful to think of ourselves as Mm -hmm. those who may have never believed if it wasn't for someone reaching out to us, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the big deal. Like what I think is so important here is we don't know that Paul's the one who led these people to Christ for sure, but if he did, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, he certainly did lead some people to Christ while he was in prison. He talks about how the gospel right. advanced, right, when he was right there. And it's because he made the most of every opportunity. He embraced every opportunity mm-hmm. and he wasn't afraid. It didn't matter to him whether he thought someone may or may not accept the gospel. I do think there are people like that though in our lives. So we look at them, we're like, their life choices, or maybe it's their job, their industry, but there are things about them that you're like, I could never see that person. Right. Following. So I'm not even going to take a chance because right. it's going to hurt our relationship. You know, it's not going to ever work. And Paul gives us a different model. He says, just be bold, take a chance, and you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The other context I'll say for this question is like, the first part is who in your life? <laughs> so it's not people like outside of your life that right. you're judging and yeah. like, hey, you over there, yeah, right. that person. That's why I don't talk to them over there is because yeah. they could yeah. never be like me. No, no, this is relationship based. Yeah. Like who in your life I already, you know? Those that I'm closest to, like family. Yeah. And, you know, people that you have that relationship with, that there is the fact that, like, if you are bold and you share those things, then maybe that relationship can be, you know, challenged or they may not look at you the yeah. same way. And I think that that's a hard thing. It's easy to go into a foreign country to, you know, <laughs> talk to people that you're Don't probably know. never going to see again yeah. and share the gospel. But when you get rejected by friends or family or people that you're closest to, that's when it's harder. I think the other thing we can do is just look to Jesus and be like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the churchy answer, of course. Drop the Jesus. What's the? Jesus, Jesus juke. Jesus juke. <laughs> yeah. This is my Jesus juke. Is like, okay, if we're looking at who is the people in Caesar's household, mm-hmm. turns out it's everybody. Like Jesus included everybody. Right. He's got a Pharisee doing mm-hmm. his work right now. Yeah. He yeah. talked to tax collectors and prostitutes mm-hmm. and people caught in adultery mm-hmm. and all kinds of people that literally society was like, no, 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 not them. They can't come to our temple because mm-hmm. they're not good enough. Mm-hmm. They can't come to this. And there is this subtext of all of Philippians and really where we've landed, which is unity mm. and everybody right. is included. Yeah. yeah, Jesus died for everybody as mm-hmm. it turns out. And so what is Paul trying to say through, you know, a couple of verses at the end yeah. about unity even in see, the church, you know? Yeah, you even see it here. I love that you asked that. So the verse before it, he says, greet 
all God's people in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Another way you could translate this is greet every saint, every person who is holy in Christ Jesus. And it's this idea that it's every single person. And this Mm -hmm. is the only letter in which he has a greeting like this, where he says, you need to reach out and greet every single person Hmm. on my behalf, but still you need to make that connection. I think that's something that, again, we don't always take the time to do. And of course, when you're in a large church, yeah, that'd be difficult and impractical to try to do that (laughs) every single Sunday. (laughs) But it's saying, I'm not going to ignore or exclude or Mm -hmm. avoid you because you're different or I don't like you. It's saying, hey, everybody here needs to be on the same page and and in conversation Mm -hmm. and in relationship, greeting one another. Yeah, there's a person that comes to mind in my life that I can think about that exudes this is that he does not leave someone that he has just met without sharing his love for Jesus. And it's one of those just very heartfelt, passionate things, but it's also not awkward. He just makes it a part of like the way that he lives his life out. And that's so encouraging and challenging to me that he would be so bold that he cares for Mm -hmm. everyone around him the same. It sounds like he is real about who he is immediately. Absolutely. Totally transparent, totally authentic with everybody Mm because he thinks that they deserve it, which is profound. I can't read this, you know, as a whole, and we're going to read the whole chapter again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And I would actually encourage everybody to read the whole book again sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. It's mm-hmm. not that easy. It is a letter, as it turns out. Yeah. And it's not a text message, but it's definitely, <laughs> it's a letter. It's like a text it's message. I sent you a text message like this not that long ago. That's true. You know? Yeah. It was very long. Was it a book? It was basically the book of Philippians. I had to save it as a note just so I could read it. Because my phone, because other people kept texting me, so it would go to the bottom immediately. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was I sent it to you on my computer, and I assumed you would read it on your computer. Yeah. Anyway. It did happen that way. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, the point is read Philippians maybe tomorrow. So read Philippians because here's the question is unity is this big theme. I think so many people are like, you know what? Our churches need to band together mm-hmm. and the church needs to be one and we need to come to the fundamental things. But in reality, Paul cares about everybody and he's talking about everybody in the world as a potential person who mm-hmm. could hear the good news and be changed by it. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for us? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I said this before in one of the other podcasts, but I feel like it's calling us to go beyond our walls of the church and not just saying, hey, come here, come here to hear about Jesus, but that like in our daily lives, whether we're at a coffee shop or at lunch or at the grocery store or whatever, that we are being Christ to others and that we're also just genuinely loving others to build relationships and then we can share Christ with them. I think he's calling us to unity, and the unity is specifically with the people in the church, but that spirit is reflected, you might say, outside the church. Mm So we see this modeled in Paul's life. He's saying, hey, all of us need to be one, but the reason we need to be one is because there's a whole world out there that Mm. needs to hear the gospel of Jesus. And so every single one of them is also loved by God, cherished by God. Jesus died on a cross for them so he could repair a relationship with them. And so we need to make sure that our relationships are right, that we're one with one another, because if we ever want to make a difference in all these other people's lives, whose lives do really matter, well, we need to get this straight. Mm-hmm. When I think that is something the world today is really struggling with because we've sort of flipped it, yeah. right? We have all these admonishments from Paul. We have things in scripture that we're trying to follow. Some might call them rules. Mm-hmm. Some might call them commandments. I would call them instructions, actually. Uh, Brandon would call them instructions. A translation of the word Torah, mm-hmm. but that's another podcast. But anyway. here's the interesting thing is we try to project <laughs> these on people who don't even believe in this yet. We're trying to change mm-hmm. them before they even hear the good parts about what we're doing. Yeah. And the world sees that. Yeah. And that's almost a barrier to what we're trying to do and the news that we're trying to spread. So what we need to do as people in the church who desire unity is take these upon ourselves, change the church, 
change who we are within as believers Mm -hmm. so that we can then spread the good news and not try to change people yet. Like if people really encounter Christ, Mm -hmm. like Paul did, they're going to change on their own. And we have to give that to Jesus. We have to let him do the changing work, right? We have to be the ones that go out and seek people no matter where they're at Mm -hmm. with no judgment, not trying to change them Hmm. and bring them to the good news so that they can be changed on their own. Yeah. I mean, when God gave the Israelites the light, it came after he had saved them. Yeah. The instructions follow relationships. And when Jesus gives his hardest instructions to people in the gospels, it's the people who identified as the Pharisees. It was the people who understood scripture. And so the instructions, the challenges and the change, the transformation, well, that comes after salvation. Mm-hmm. I think how the church is viewed today is skewed from our heart, you know, of yeah. what we want people to see the church as. But, you know, there's always a political attachment to yeah. people in the church. There's a values attachment that the church has become associated with, mm-hmm. yeah. right? You stand for this, this, and this, and this. Mm-hmm. When in reality, like, man, the context for all those is so much better and greater and helps and changes over time and helps reframe all of those things over mm-hmm. time. Right. And that's what allows you to care for the world and care for people mm-hmm. so much more profoundly than just, here's the rules we stick to, and this is what we do. If we look at everything through the lens of how Paul views it, how Jesus changed it mm-hmm. and changed the law, it's going to be much more freeing than trying to stick to all these things that we quote unquote believe yeah. in. Well, and it's getting to the motive. And I think that's part of the issue. Like, mm-hmm. and then we see in this book, you have people who are trying to impose laws on Christ followers. That's not why those laws were given in the yeah. first place. Right. And when you understand the heart, the motive, the intention, and we do this today. When I tell my son, don't play on the road, it's not because... You're there's anything intrinsically wrong yeah. about the road. It's <laughs> just that cars might come by and hurt you. Well, if the road is blocked off during a parade, yeah, okay, run out in the road and get your candy and do stuff like that. There's always a reason why you give the rules and instructions you do, mm-hmm. and you have to understand those. And I think that's the key with God's laws. We always have to understand why does God give the instructions he gives? And when we get to that point, we can then see how they might actually apply to us today. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think the key is just like, don't expect people who don't even, you know, have the same beliefs. <laughs> have the same beliefs for like even loyalties or like context mm-hmm. to prescribe yeah. to the things and admonishments that you even yourself don't even hold all the time. We try. We right. aspire towards that. Right. But let's not expect other people to do it better than us when they don't even know. Mm-hmm. And if they are, we need to take a serious look at who we are mm-hmm. and make some big changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the last thing I would say here is it takes one step, and we can talk about this on an institutional level, and we can talk about Christianity at large, but I think we all need to look at our own hearts and say, mm-hmm. how do I need to change? Yeah. What are the relationships that have broken down in my life? Who are the people that I need to be reaching out to and mm-hmm. fixing and mending those relationships? And where do I need to be bold and fearless like Paul and make the most of every situation so I can have an opportunity to share something like this to say, hey, all God's people here send greetings, especially those in Caesar's household. Thanks for joining us for the Journey Through Philippians podcast. If this is your first time, we're so glad you checked us out. Keep listening. If today didn't seem like your cup of tea, check back tomorrow. Every single day is just a little bit different. To check out even more resources like videos from Philippi, children and family resources, and eBooks for all ages, visit our journey page at willowjourney.org and follow us on Instagram at willowcreeknS. Be sure to share your journey experience on social media with the hashtag willowjourney. If you have questions or would like to learn more about the ministries of Willow Creek Community Church, check out willowcreek.org. We'll see you tomorrow.